You're listening to The Last Thing I Wished I Said. I'm Linda Overman. The Last Thing I Wished I Said is a place to share that last conversation you wished you'd been able to have with a loved one, but weren't able to. Each episode, we talk to a different person who reveals their wished-for conversation with a loved one who they lost recently or long ago. Welcome to The Last Thing I Wished I Said. Welcome to The Last Thing. I wished I said. I'm Linda Overman, and we're here today with my colleague and friend, Professor Mary Marka. We both spent many years teaching at California State University, Northridge. Mary luckily is retired. I hope to be someday. Mary is a writer with many published works, and she'll tell us later in the show where those stories that are wonderful can be accessed. And Mary, welcome. And who are we having a conversation with today? When you first asked me to do this, uh, my husband had died five months before, and I, th- I naturally thought of my husband, except that he his was a very peaceful death. We had uh, we knew he was dying, and I was able to say many of the things that I wanted to say to him before he actually passed. However, years ago, as a matter of fact, fifty six years ago, my mother died suddenly when I was twenty years old, and that shocked me profoundly. And there are many, many things I wish that I'd said to her at that time. How old was your mother when she passed? My mother was fifty three years old. She um, was active. She had been to work that day. She came home. She was full of life, talking, and then she had a heart attack. Um, so quite unexpected. And and I was young, and we had no idea she was had, having a heart attack. And it was it was a shock to us all when she passed away. What year was that exactly? Do you remember? Yes, that was uh, 1967 in January. We had been in California for just a few years. Um, my background is I was born in England, and um, obviously my parents, well, my mother was born in Wales, actually. Um, and then she moved to London and met my father, who'd come down from the north of England. And uh, they were married in 1940, and I was born in 1946. Uh, so I was born after the war. But I grew up with many, many stories of World War Two because they were in London during that time. So it was quite uh, difficult for them. So we moved to Canada in 1956. We stayed there for four years, and then we moved to California for one year. And my mother was so homesick for her siblings that we went back, and we ended up staying for a full year, and then came back to California again. And uh, shortly after that, I graduated from high school, went to uh, uh, San Fernando Valley State College and then there I met my husband and was married shortly after that so I married very young had uh, lots of babies very young and um, we had to live in Italy for a year when my babies, when I had four babies who were quite uh, five three and one and a half oh my gosh. That's quite something to travel with that many children at that age. Yeah, well, the the best thing was we lived on a farm, and the farm was out in the middle of nowhere, and we had a, a had to pump water up to the roof to come down through a cistern into the... So, yeah, it was quite a bit different. The best thing we did was get a, a washing machine um, because ha- washing by diapers by hands was really quite difficult and annoying. Uh, and then the twins did toilet train themselves pretty quickly, so that was good. <laughs> So your mom was how old when she met your dad? 
Um, they were actually they would they knew each other from the uh, church hall dances, and so she was in her she was twenty seven when they got married, and he was twenty six a year younger. And you're one of is it four or? Yes, I'm a middle child, a typical middle child. I had two older brothers and a younger sister. And when your mother passed away, didn't you tell me that you had your firstborn at that time? Yes, I, uh, Paul was seven months old when my mother passed away, and uh, that he was my firstborn. And my husband, we lived in a triplex, and my mother and sister and a visiting brother were in the front of the triplex, and we lived, and my husband and I and my baby lived in the back unit. There was a, uh, somebody else in the middle unit. Um, and so when my mother was not feeling well, my sister came, knocked on the door and said, can you come? Come, mom's not feeling well. So I, I, I did. I went up and we tried to see what we could do for her. And at this would have been, what was the year you said? I'm sorry, it was 19... 1967. So in those days, I mean, she didn't even know that she had a heart condition, or did she? No, 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 no. She was, uh, she'd been, had a, some instances where she felt a little strange, but she went to the doctor. The doctor said, you're fine, um, and about a week before. And so she'd gone to work, and she was full of, uh, oh, we're going to get the, I'm going to, uh, she had a poodle, a, a purebred poodle. She was going to mate the poodle, and she was going to raise puppies, and and you know she had all kinds of plans, and and she was helping me with Paul, with my my oldest. So. And he was how old at the time? Seven months. Okay. So, and you were telling me that everything happened so quickly. What was the when she first you realized she was unwell? What what happened? What did she say? Or well, we thought she had the flu. So you know, it was not feeling well. So she said, um, I, I, I'm. She said, I'm getting, I'm feeling strange. And when I feel this strangeness, I, I just want to run away. And she, she said her, her fingers on her left hand were kind of numb and her arm felt funny. Uh, and none of us understood that those, that was a sign of a heart attack. Oh, so I called the uh, doctor to, to get a call back. The doctor to answering service then forwarded a message on. And I was waiting for a call back from him to find out whether or not we should it was, it was these were danger signs whether we should do anything um but uh i didn't hear from him until after i'd already called paramedics because when she went unconscious i called the paramedics and at that point i remember we didn't have the 911 service i think you just called the operator right no we had 911 service i couldn't remember if it was in the 60s or not yeah no. i just don't remember it it existing then but but uh, and they came, but she had already. They determined she had already passed away. Is that right? No, they didn't. They just they gave her oxygen and they oh. wheeled her out. Oh, and wow. I was saying, I went to the ambulance. I mean, to the paramedics and mm -hmm. said, quick, 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 oxygen, 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 because my okay. my brother was giving her mouth to mouth resuscitation. Oh, that's right. That's right. We we knew so little about the way women presented heart attack uh, symptoms in those days. And when you said she, they, you thought she had the flu, that would not have been a surprise. Right. Right. You know, because yeah. women present so differently, and that was never really determined until years, decades later. Yes, and she was 53 and seemed in perfect health. Yeah. She was not overweight. She had, you know, she didn't, as far as we knew, she didn't have high blood pressure. We And they didn't check for cholesterol in those days either. Oh, that's right. And she didn't smoke. No, she didn't smoke. Not at that time. Because, she, you know, everybody smoked, in the, it seems like, in the 60s. She had smoked at one point. Sure, But sure. after she left my father, she didn't smoke. But she had had a, a gin and tonic. She took one gin and tonic, and, and 
and drank, sipped it through the entire evening. <laughs> sort of what they did in the pub. How ladylike. Yeah. Right. Well, when they went to pubs, this is what they did. That's they, lovely. They didn't sock it down. No, they, they, unfortunately, yeah. they didn't sock it down like some of us do. But <laughs> never mind. We won't go into that. <laughs> but um, did your mother have an established sort of career when she met your dad? Was she working in some field or? No, it, this was the 1940s. In those days, right. um, most of the time, if a woman got married, they, she was expected to, to quit and stay home and <laughs> so look after odd, babies. Isn't that? Yeah. Well, mean, she got pregnant on her honeymoon, so she didn't have much choice. Oh, it sounds like me, I think. <laughs> but still, as you said, that idea that when you're working, if you got married, your career now is being a wife, which is right now is unthinkably. I mean, it's it's just not the way it is now. And it just seems so arch archaic. Right. In a way. But there were some there were some women who were doctors. But oh, you, yeah. you had to have a, you had to have money yes. in order to be able to afford to go to school. Right. And we were just plain middle class people. We weren't we weren't rich. Like everyday people. And, and what's so lovely is you actually brought a letter that you crafted that you've written to your mother, and I'd love you to share it if you wish. Certainly. Um, when, you, when you were talking about things I wish I'd said, I came, I came up with a whole bunch of things and then kind of refined it down. So I'll read the letter that I have that I came up with. Dear Mom, sorry, sorry, I'm so very sorry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sorry for not knowing the signs of a heart attack. I was 20. I should have known. You were our anchor, our leader. You were our heart. How could yours fail? How could you be that vulnerable? You weren't supposed to be ill. You just worked a full day. You had plans for the future. You'd just begun to enjoy life again. How could we know you'd be gone in 40 minutes? Sorry for not insisting we drive you to the ER. You pointed out the numbness in your left arm, but we didn't understand what that meant. But neither did you. If only we had insisted, had driven, had placed you near a doctor, you might have stayed with us, enjoyed your freedom, fulfilled your plans, finished raising my sister. Sorry for not calling the paramedics sooner. We waited too long for the doctor's call back. You stopped breathing. Gordon tried mouth-to-mouth, -mouth and the paramedics brought oxygen, but it was too late. And I'm sorry, too, for not saying I love you enough. I hope you know how much I do, still, how much I relied on you, listened to you, honored you. But I wish I'd told you before you died. And thank you for showing me how much you loved me. As we moved from one country to another and from school to school, you pushed me to be brave, to face my fears, to step into unknown worlds, while you cheered me on. After we left England and left your brothers and sisters behind, you filled us with stories of your younger years, of leaving Cardiff in the middle of the night, of the struggle to survive the Depression, of your love and laughter even as bombs dropped on London. You shared your sorrow at losing the love of your life, yet you persevered. I learned from that. You supported me in whatever I wanted to try, working, college, marriage. Even though you didn't always understand my choices, you respected them. You showed me how to love my first baby, to stop worrying I'd hurt him somehow, gave me confidence I could manage. In those challenges of early motherhood, you reminded me not to neglect my husband, 
to appreciate my in-laws, to allow others to help me when I should. We didn't say I love you much in our family, but you showed it in your actions every day of our lives. You taught me that, and I tried to copy your example. Thank you for the stories and the laughter. Thank you for being strong even when it was hard. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for setting a good example of living life well, of facing adversity with humor, of being useful, and always being kind. I'm forever grateful that you are my mother. I love you, Mary. You've got me all choked up, sweetheart. <laughs> I've tried to keep myself together. That is so beautiful. You had said that you were able to, you know, when your husband passed on, that you were able to write. I mean, as you know, my da- when my daughter passed away, who you knew, um, I, I have not been able to write much. I finally was able to struggle and write a dialogue between us because I started imagining if we were talking, uh, what we would be talking about. Uh, but still, um, you had said that you uh, were writing in a, uh, a, a journal when your husband passed away was going through his struggles, I mean, with his, with his illness. And, and you published those in your blog. And um, perhaps you might want to tell listeners where those beautiful reflections can be found. I think we were looking for them just before the show to make sure we had it correct. Right. Um, well, the, the thing was, I could not do regular writing that I used to do of fiction and, and, and reflections on the world around us while my husband was ill. It was difficult. It was chemo for a year, and then he got worse, and then he died. And it was very, very hard for me to reach outside of myself and and start writing anything that, had, that didn't have to do with him. So I, I turned to my journal to keep track of what I was feeling and to kind of have an outlet for myself because with my husband I had to be strong had to say okay yes we're going to take get a blood test yes we're going to get infusions you know and, and he he would say that it was terrible but I let him make the choice no matter what he wanted to do whatever he wanted to do I was with him and I let him know that <clears throat> so um and yes I decided to share some of my uh, journal rights not all of them but some of them because um maybe somebody else is going through it and feeling some of the same things I was um I I Joan Didion's book helped me a lot after my husband actually died so um, I have a blog on uh, Blogger, Blogspot. It's Mary Marka-Reflections-Blogspot.com, I think, right? Dot, dot com, right, right. right, right. And then you had published some sh- a number of short stories before he became ill. Do you want to share with the listeners where those might be found online? Uh, well, Yellow Hour, Arrow Journal was one of them, um, Scarlet Leaf Review, Aerial Chart, Literary Yard, Writing in a Woman's Voice are just some of them. Um, I have a website, uh, marymarka7.wixsite.com slash writer, uh, where, where those lists can be found and links to them. I'll be, uh, I'll be adding those in the show notes. Um, 
as people might realize, I'm I'm sort of new at podcasting, and so we're trying. We were trying very hard to get the uh, mic hooked up properly. So if you hear any movements, it's me moving the mic back and forth between Mary and I because I haven't figured out how to do it any better yet. But I hope to. Um, well, since the mic's on your <laughs> mic's on your side, Linda, why don't why don't you read share some of your uh, dialogue with your daughter? I think that'd be very interesting. You know, I have to say, listening to yours really. Um, has inspired me to share. I haven't really shared much of it with anyone. And uh, last year, she she would have turned 40. She died August uh, 22nd, um, uh, 2021, at 39. Uh, she had just turned 39, actually. So on her 40th birthday, that's when I sort of wrote an imaginary dialogue, which gave me the idea for this podcast. So I'll just do a quick excerpt. Um, because it's still in process. Um, okay, so I start out saying to, and my daughter's name was Deva, I start out saying, you turned 40 today. And she answers, I did, yes, if I was still alive. Minor detail, darling. Really, Mom? No, just kidding. What a year it has been, sweetheart. Well, it was only just a year ago that I left. Left is a benign way of putting it. What else would you call it? I died. You overdosed. So? So? Yes. So? Well, let me think. It was... It was hard? Harder. Meaning? Stunned. Shocked. Devastated. Come on, Mom. Destroyed. Shattered. Gutted. For you and Daddy. Confused. Betrayed drained, expected the phone call, empty, wounded, pained, would, abandoned, ambushed, overwhelmed, come. Yes, but we prayed it wouldn't. But it did. Yes, God damn it, it did. It fucking did. Mom, wow, now you sound like me. I know. Is that a bad thing? No, but it, what? Well, it sounds awful. Those words sounded awful when you used to say them as a teenager. And that's sort of as far as I have gotten with any sense of comfort. But I have to admire the ability that you share that you could write anything. Because after I lost her, I, uh, I just became sort of stultified. I couldn't really produce much. I, could, I was a, a, a journal writer, just like you are. And uh, it took me so long to process what had happened. Um, I almost envy when you talk about the fact that you were with your husband through all the steps of the illness I know was not a pretty thing by any means, knowing you as long as I have and knowing the ha the suffering he went through. Mm, definitely. But I find myself wishing I had had that time with my daughter, but you know, she was a drug addict and we were estranged and there was really no other way. Uh, but to let her go and her, and her addiction when she refused to get help and she refused to leave the horrible person that she was living with that added to her drug addiction. So um, I'm so inspired by what you've just read about with your mom. Have you shared that with any of your siblings at all? No, and not my, and not my children either. Um, but just... Going back to yours, um, I really do admire the fact that you can 
the way you have tackled this, the dialogue is great because you, you're capturing her voice, knowing her as I did, you're capturing her voice. Um, and I can quite understand you not wanting to write. I, I went to the same thing and, and I just used the journal as my outlet, but I didn't, I wasn't a regular journaler before that. And so it was something different for me to do. Um, but uh, the fact that you're now picking it up, I think, is great. And I cannot I, I cannot imagine what you went through with um, the drug addiction, and that's something that takes over somebody's life. That's, that's awful. I d mine was different. Mine was different. Um, and, and having my husband here and being able to say goodbye properly was a great blessing to me. Um, and as it was not for my mother, that was that was a a, a dramatic wrench. And, and they're both trauma. It's trauma either way if you lose somebody that you love. Um, and, and but I can't imagine yours because you had so much heartbreak before you lost her. Yes, and of course you've known me long enough to know that journey. But it was almost like she had an illness in a way, like your husband had an illness. And right. you know, sometimes people accept treatment, and sometimes people don't. And there's very little we can do to force the issue if it's not accepted. And uh, I think, are we sitting in the room where we, where your husband passed away? I was here. No, no, we're not. We're no, actually no. recording this in Mary's home. She was kind enough to let me come here and, and, and interview her in person. Um, I, I still hope that our conversation, you know, we're just two ordinary people, and this is my idea was to just invite colleagues, friends, some friends I know, some are acquaintances, just to share these, these words that so many of us sometimes don't get to say to people that we love and lost, whether it's recently or long ago. And uh, I hope that your letter inspires others to want to come on the show and do the same thing and, you know, perhaps look and be able to say those final words that were not, not given an opportunity to be said. I found it very uh, cathartic to, because there's been, there was a lot that was because it was bundled up inside of me that I've not been able to let out. And writing a letter, which is, I used to write letters all the time when we moved from England to Canada. I used to write to friends and I write to my aunts and uncles. And writing to my mother was a way for me to get out from inside me some of what I'd been feeling, some of that I couldn't, didn't have a chance to say to her, which I think probably helped me when when my husband was dying, that I could, I, it, I here I had a chance. I couldn't with my mother. I can with my husband, and I encourage anybody who wants has this kind of feeling to write it down. Write down what you're feeling. It it gets it out from inside you and puts it in black and white and really, really helps. And I appreciate Linda giving me the opportunity to do this. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for coming on. And, and this is our first episode, and I hope that I have many more. And uh, uh, all of you who are listening to The Last Thing I Wished I Said can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, um, there's other directories. We're on Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Player FM. And I look forward to the next show and all of you coming back and listening to us again. Thank you, Mary, and thank you again for sharing such a beautiful piece of work. And, and thank you very much, Linda. <laughs>